another amazing episode of the feeling unstoppable podcast i'm your host like always cindy montoya and if this is the first time you're tuning in welcome to the show and if you're back for even more without further ado let me introduce to you our new guest on the cindy's and friends series he is beautiful he is funny and ladies if you need some big cox energy (laughs) without further ado lonnie cox Good Hello. to be here. Hello. Thank you for coming. No, thank you for having me. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. You're just a lovable person. That's thank why. you. I appreciate that. Of course. So, Lonnie, how did we meet? Uh, we met through Aaron. Um, I believe I had therapy in the building. Yes. And I came up to see him, and you you were here. And uh, I believe I think that's the first time we ever met. That right? was, yes. Yeah. Because I don't think I met you in a previous comedy no, no, show. No, no, I was. I'm almost positive it was here. Yeah, I was yeah. here, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, I do therapy too." Uh-huh. And we started bonding because yes. we have mental health issues. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> classify myself as having mental health issues. We struggle. I have anxiety. Same. And I have. Bonitos. I'm sensitive. Yeah. I'm a sensitive boy. Yeah. But I wouldn't say I have issues. I have a couple issues, what but are your I, issues? I I would say I'm, I have pretty bad anxiety. Yeah, well, you have mental health issues. Or no, 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 nothing that's ever been diagnosed. Okay, I mean, I I don't know. I I think we live in a society where everyone needs to have like make things into an issue, but like things can be resolved. You got to work on them. Oh yeah, I think know? I have anxiety for yeah. the most part. Also, I, I struggle putting boundaries with people. Mm, me too. That's like really bad. But yeah. I'm working on it, and I've actually been doing a pretty good job. Good. So So yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's 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 hard though. It's very hard, especially when you're sensitive. You're sensitive. Mm, I like to say that I'm not sensitive, yeah, 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 but yeah, I am sensitive because I have that hard, sure. tough girl mentality. Yeah, of course. But no, I cry pretty pretty easily. Well, I think being sensitive no, is more. Than yeah, that. my yeah. thing is like I cry when I'm mad. Sure. And then people are like, "Oh, why are you crying?" I'm like, "No, I'm just really mad." Sure. But yeah. No, I mean when I think of the word sensitive, it's more like, uh, do things affect you? Like, are you affected by, do you have emotional responses to things that are, you know, maybe you notice people around you don't have? Yeah, but I think it also depends on the certain situation. Like in the topics of like death and stuff, not, not. I am the same way. I don't, when people die, I obviously, of course, I'm sad. Yeah. But I don't have like tremendous. I mean, I've never had anybody that's very, very close to me yeah. pass away. I said my, you know, my grandparents, but I was two years old or seven years old, and I didn't know my grandma very well. But yeah, you know, I've never really been like struck with grief when my dog passed away. I was very sad. Yeah, but um, yeah, but even then, it's not. Right yeah, now. I think that's probably one of the times that I'm just like circle of life yeah like I, I play it off except um probably the most recent one was like my my abuelo died yeah but i think that one was just like my issue was like i held it in like way mm-hmm. too long sure. and i never let myself kind of like just like let it out Breathe. so then yeah i ended up punching a wall somewhere okay yeah sure and then i was like mm, maybe i should start going to therapy because we can't be doing this all of our right. life it wasn't the first incident that's why yeah my, my cousin committed suicide oh that's so, crazy well, I guess my cousin de facto cousin he, yeah he killed himself wow and that was that was kind of the closest someone i knew had passed away yeah in a, in a like traumatic tragic well, yeah way, you know um 
and that was a similar thing. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I mean, of course, sad, but it didn't really hit, hit me, me until a while later. And then, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I just had mentally I have things to deal with, but been but starting we all now. do. Yeah. Everyone has their journey in yeah. life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. But I chose to like, there's people that know that they have it and don't choose to do anything about right. it. But yeah. But yeah. like if my thing was like, I knew that I probably should have started like a little bit earlier, but I never like wanted to, especially I went away for college and I was like living it up and I didn't care about anything. But sure. then like I had to like, I moved back home because I just wasn't feeling well, like up here for right. the most part. I mean, you're also only 21 years old. You've yeah. your entire life. Like, yeah, like, that's true. To hear a 21 year old say that they should have started something earlier is. is yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But you've got like, I know you've only got your own life to compare mm -hmm. things to. Like, right. But you know when you're when you get to my age and the 32, like there's plenty of things I wish I would have started at your age. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just realize like you know you're 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 always further along than uh, than somebody else. You know what I mean? It's a good output. Yeah, like you're you're always in a position that somebody else envies in yeah. terms of personal growth or a job or education. Right. You know what I mean? They don't don't think less of yourself. That's right. And just realize like your world and when you're young oh man it's very hard like when you're in high school everything feels like the end of the world i gotta make sat SATs. Uh, i didn't apply uh, to college oh, my friends are not my friends anymore i'm never gonna make new friends like, yeah your world feels very 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 big and loud when you're young until you get out and you're just like oh. well yeah exactly and then your world grows yeah i mean right. well college is like less of that sure yeah that's right but then it's also like Mm, it's just everyone's just doing their own thing and then you get out into the world world like yeah. after college and it's even more like that it's even bigger and scarier and like you know things start to get louder but also much much quieter because you're older and you've experienced things and you know you start to trust yourself a little bit more and you know how to tune stuff out that and like this is one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to, about today at some point is you have devices for anxiety. You have resources yeah. for your anxiety, which is therapy, working out, going on a walk, eating right. You know, instead of things that we do to dampen our feelings, drinking, clubbing, partying, uh, toxic relationships, or you know, certain things that lots of people do that are defense mechanisms but aren't healthy ones yeah you know? it helps for the moment correct until but you have to like it's really just the dampening yeah because then like the next day you still have to like deal with your exactly. with your issues and then you drink again and you party again and eventually you know you'll push it up but it'll weasel its way out yeah. to other parts of your life speaking of working out yeah has that been like a because you started getting back into it which by the way he looks amazing <laughs> um you. so has that been accepting that like, definitely is like a mechanism 100 percent hundred percent. If I am not moving my body, um, I don't feel good. You right. know, like I am six foot two. I'm 260 something pounds, 207, whatever. I, I don't meticulously weigh myself, but I'm a large human man. Yeah. Like I need to be moving my body. And if I'm not doing that, it, I don't feel good. And when I am moving my body, I feel great. You know, I'm feeling the way that my body was designed to be used. Yeah, I get you because I think like if I go a whole day without doing like work, school work or mm -hmm. anything, but at least I got to work out, yes. it doesn't feel like a wasted day sure. because I moved my body yeah. 
versus me like literally sitting in my couch like a couch potato all day yeah. that like i'm like oh i just wasted a day yeah but then there's also the part where it's like maybe just taking one complete day off isn't bad of course your body yeah. you need it's rest. a balance that you need to find but here's something that i learned pretty recently yeah that there is a big difference between rest and restoration and turning things off and detachment right like me i get home from work sometimes and i don't want to deal with anything yeah and i have a hard day coming up tomorrow and i instead of preparing for it and getting ready mentally i just detach completely I have my phone's on college football is on ESPN, yeah. and i am just totally like zonked out until it's time to go to bed and i just go from that to this and then i wake yeah. up in the morning and i have to deal with it all and but rest and restoration is very different from detachment you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. I do the same thing. My things like TikTok though. Everyone does. Or like YouTube. Oh, YouTube and TikTok are sure. my, my things that I'm just like, I know I have like several things that I should be getting done and that I need to get done, but sure. I'm just like scrolling away. Boop, boop, boop. I mean, for me, it was video games, uh, movies, TV. Yeah. And, you know, I was very big into visual media um, when my life, you know, five years ago was totally different. Yeah. And uh, I didn't do much. I wasn't a very momentum-based person so what would you say was that like moment kind of like switch for you um getting into stand-up comedy was like the day my like renaissance day you know it was the day that i kind of took my life in my own hands uh, because before that i was 28 years old in the last five six seven years of my life uh, i wasn't doing anything i was yeah. working at my family's business um i would come home play video games and then go to bed and rinse and repeat for years. Yeah. Um, but going out, doing stand-up comedy, uh, I mean, I'd be, I wouldn't be here, right? We wouldn't be yeah. having this conversation. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, you know, know the people that I know. I wouldn't know Aaron. I wouldn't know all of these people that I consider close, dear friends. Yeah. All of these experiences I've had over the last five years wouldn't have existed without that literally one decision that I made January 16th, 17th, 2018 to get on stage for the first time. What was that decision to do it? If I didn't do it, I might as well, nah, I don't want to say die, but like there was no point in living my life anymore if I didn't do this thing. Like I was like, I'm 27 years old. I feel 77. My life feels like it's going nowhere. I feel Sedentary, just Sedentary, a very total mm -hmm. inertia. Yeah, you know, energetic inertia. And if I don't do this thing, which scared me more than anything I've ever done in my life, getting on stage for the first time. If I don't do that, if I don't challenge, slay this dragon. Yeah, there's just no point. You know, try something new. Because I had not done. I had other dragons in my life that I had been too afraid to slay. Yeah, you know. And this was the one that I was like, if this isn't the one, if you can't do this one, you gotta figure, you gotta, you gotta go to law school or you gotta figure something out. You yeah. Know? Because your life just isn't gonna be anything. You gotta rethink who you think you are. You need to like do something new in order to find. I had to passion. do the thing that scared me the most. Yeah. You had to do the thing that scared you the most. most. To get to where you are. More right than now. the army. More than football more than anything I ever considered doing. You considered doing the army? Well, your family's from military, My right? father was, uh, my father, my cousin, my uncle, um, my grandfathers, both of them on both sides. 
like forever everyone yeah. is in the military um on the men in my men, family yeah on my father's side join the military that's like what you do when you're the man yeah. in my family and you knew that wasn't for you no, I did not know it wasn't for me until I was time to like sign the papers. <laughs> sign the papers. You know? I How mean, was that? Uh, scary. You yeah. Know? I, like I said, like I'm a sensitive boy. Like yeah. I am anxious. I am sensitive. I love deeply and I have very strong, powerful emotions. And part of the military is dampening that yeah like part of the military is turning that part of you off and turning the aggression up to the max especially considering what i wanted to do in the military um what combat yeah i wanted to be in special forces yeah uh that's what i wanted to do i mean when i grew up as a kid like i would see that stuff on tv navy seals army rangers delta force and that's what i wanted i wanted to jump out of planes and kick down doors and like catch terrorists yeah that's what i wanted with my life turns out that wasn't really what i wanted it's what i thought men yeah should do that's what i thought a man was not lawyers doctors businessmen anything else that none of that made sense to me what made sense to me for what men should be doing is the military military. and i mean they advertise it that way too for the most part well now it's also geared to women but Yes, it, but, but it's still mainly geared to men sure. to be like, oh, if you want to be a man, join the military. Exactly. And the culture around it. Sure. Uh, yeah, our culture praises the military very, very highly. Like, if you're in the military, especially after, I mean, you were too young for 9-11 to like. I was rem- like four months Exactly. Old. But like, yeah. I was 11 years old. Like, I remember 9-11 very well. I yeah. remember the whole morning. I remember all of it. And the world was one way. And then after that, the world was a different way. Correct. And when I grew up, my formative years were the war on terror, right? Like yeah. I grew up, Iraq, Afghanistan, all of these things changing. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, that's what I wanted. Like I thought that I was like, man, there's this golden opportunity, my fight. You know, I idolized uh, World War II and the, and the guys that had fought in World yeah. War II when I was a child. Because they had fought this valiant fight against Nazis. Historic. And, as Jewish. Yeah. And, like, the guys that fought the Nazis and the Japanese and like they bombed Pearl Harbor were going to fight this yeah. enemy. And I was like, here it is. They bombed the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And like, this is the thing. And um, yeah, when I was like 19, 20 years old, I just, I just couldn't do it. I was like, do you like me? I was like, man, you know, like. The stuff that came out and like, oh yeah, like weapons was, of mass destruction mm-hmm. in Iraq and this war in Afghanistan, Tora Bora, look it up. Um, you know, certain things that happened where they like kind of just kept the war going for no real reason, and yeah, I, I just couldn't do it. And I mean, I think now with that information that has come out about the military, especially recently, of like you know shit that goes on in base or yes, or like sure. what. Or even veterans themselves going on and saying like what we were doing in Afghanistan or what we were doing in Iraq like yeah. really had no purpose for the most part. Yeah, I mean, and absolutely. that like, and I think that has like kind of switched the way that people are like trying to what is it recruit. Yeah. So I remember when I was in high school, it wasn't more like oh like serve your country, be like um be a strong person, like, sure. be a, be a man and serve your country. It was more what I was getting was more oh we'll pay for your school. Sure. 
right. there was and they would target more to the kids that you know they weren't academically the best but we can yeah, get of them course. we I can mean, get them out there right that's kind of what that's the whole motive yeah right? is trying to figure out how we can get these people in so yeah i mean that was my dragon right that was the dragon of my 18 19 20 year old self was the military and i i, I didn't do it be a man i didn't be a man in that in that instance right uh, i didn't become the special forces guy that jumps out of the airplane that wasn't wasn't was for you and uh yeah after that i really struggled to like find a purpose and like i didn't know what i was going to do at all really i was like i'll be an attorney and uh, you're trying to find what filled the hole and this opportunity came to work with my family's business and i just took that and stayed with it forever what's your family's business i don't think i'm a staffing company. yes we have mm-hmm. talked about this yeah, yeah. Uh, i did that for almost 10 years 2011 to 2020 you know i did that for a long time um and it just wasn't my thing I, it's funny now that i've left that business and uh you know i work where i work now i've realized that there were parts of that business that i never really knew i loved until i stepped away like until you leave something yeah being a salesman and all these things working for yourself is there's a lot of power in of that. course and uh, i just took it for granted um now that i have stepped away but um yeah like to, i'm sorry this is a very long you're good way no. of answering your original question which is stand-up comedy for what it's worth was this thing that was so incredibly intimidating i mean i want you to keep in mind yeah that, like i had considered dying for our country (laughs) exactly like going to war like combat like and and again like when i say join the military like i have plenty of friends that joined the military that like i have a friend that you talk about paying for school like he paid for his entire yeah i have a lot of friends that are in the military so for sure yeah he paid for his entire master's program because he was a mechanic in washington dc never left the states yeah just changed tires and oil changes in Washington DC for a couple of years and then got under to the US Army. And what I wanted to do was no, I want I remember being in high school being like, no, 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 no. I want to be in combat. In combat. I want to kick down the doors. I want direct act. I want that. And uh that did not scare me as much as, as getting on stage. But I, I did it. I did it. And you know, I'm a big believer. I'm a sensitive boy, and I listen to things. Yeah. And I'm a, a big believer that you will get messages right in your life when you need them. And uh, I went to Sweet Caroline's. It was this Yeah, bar. yeah, it's still open. It's, it's still open. open the karaoke bar. Yes, but they don't do stand-up anymore. But it was one of, I considered it my home. Yeah. I used to go there all the time. I hosted an open mic there. And uh, I went there one night. And it was not a good night, as many of the nights at Sweet Caroline's were. It was just a rough place to do comedy. And there was this one guy, and he was particularly drunk and rowdy with all of the comics, which is normal for that bar. And I don't know why, but like I, when I was on stage, I asked him a couple of questions. And it's funny, Aaron has this on video, but I asked him a couple of questions, and I said, "Someone in the." Another comic had asked him it, what it, something had come up that he was a Marine. And I said, you're the Marine? And he's like, yeah. And I said, when were you a Marine? And he said, 2003, 2004. And we were talking earlier about my yeah. dumb knowledge. And I said to him, I looked at him, I said, Fallujah? And hit all of his drunk. Just went away. Stopped. And he looked at me. And he was like, how do you know that? And I said, because I know stuff. 
And I turned to the crowd. I still get chills telling this story. I turned to the crowd and I said, you guys don't know this. And I know he's a little rowdy right now. So you're against him in a way. But this guy has seen things that you will not imagine. Yeah. Like, this guy has seen things that human beings should not be capable of doing to each other. But he saw it up close when he was 19 years old and has had to deal with that ever since. Yeah. Long story short, whatever. The set ends. I go outside. I kind of forget about the whole interaction. And about an hour later, the Marine comes out. The show ends. The Marine comes out and he pulls me aside and he said, thank you for that. You know, thank you for seeing me and knowing that and talking about it. And he said, <laughs> he goes, how do you have the courage to get on stage and do that? And I was like, I was like, dude, people were shooting rockets at your face. <laughs> and you would have, yeah. And you're asking me how I go up at a bar and tell jokes about my penis. Like, it's not. Yeah. And to me, that was, like, that was the guy that I thought yeah. I wanted to be talking to the guy I am now. And I was, it's it still, to this day, it was like two years ago, but to this day, it still gives me, like, chills. It's yeah. Like the universe was talking to me in that moment. You know what I mean? It kind of, like, put your two worlds that you, like, one that maybe you were supposed to be in, and then the one that you are supposed to yes. be in. Exactly. Divine timing. Divine timing. Big believer in divine timing. It was a big moment for me. Yeah. It was like, you are doing the right thing. Exactly. Stay up. That's a, I don't know. I think divine timing is interesting. Sure. I think it's, uh, I believe in it very much. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I t have I told you how I met Aaron? No. Um, random day at school at FIU. I was at the Starbucks and then he happened to sit right next to me. And you know how he is. Sure. He looks over at my computer. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm like what do you want? Right, right, right. I'm like, nothing. I'm just like working on a, on a flyer. So then we literally we exchanged um, Instagrams. He's like, he's like, oh, because I need someone to do my publicity stuff. And I was like, sure. Mm -hmm. And then from that day on. Sure. We're here. Yeah. I mean, your life, people don't want to talk about this really, but your life comes down to certain decisions that you make. Yeah. You know, there are certain decisions. I was in, high, in college and I was taking Spanish mm -hmm. and I was crushing it. I was like getting an A. I was like really doing well in my Spanish class. And uh, they were offering us to go abroad. You know, they were like, you go to Spain for three months. And I knew the universe talked, said to me yeah. right there, if you go on that trip, you will come back speaking Spanish. Like you will learn Spanish. Yeah. Because my brain, you know, when you're yeah, studying yeah, yeah. it, my brain was in it and it had worked. I got high and didn't go to the meeting. No. And to this day, I don't speak Spanish. And your life comes down to decisions that you make. Yep. You know? One choice from another. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about this whole notion of, you know, being a man going to the military being a man and doing this mm -hmm. so one thing we did really want to talk about was i don't want to say the word because agility toxic yeah. masculinity um the idea of what it means to quote unquote be a man in modern society so i have the official definition of fragile masculinity please don't come for me mm -hmm. um but i want to hear from your experiences and like your life the meaning of that fragile masculinity yeah toxic masculinity. from your own point of view you know we use these terms men boys kind of you know we just throw them around in my life i have known many 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 male people yeah 
I've only known a few men. I know many grown-up boys. But I've only known a few men right. in my life. Men. Um, so I think we understand this idea. And, like, people are going to watch this. They're going to see what I look like. And they're going to assume what I mean by that. Right? Yeah. You're wrong. I this is why you, I was so happy when you brought this up. You're wrong. Um, you know, boys is what our society loves. They love boys. They love boyish behavior. They love immaturity. They don't want me boys, male people. And of course, male, female, it doesn't matter. I'm just, yeah. I'm just talking, we're talking about masculinity. Yeah. There are women who have masculine traits and men who have feminine traits. I have feminine traits. Whatever that, these words that we're using mean to describe different energies. Correct. Um, but fragile masculinity to me means that you have decided that what it means to be a man is what the movies tell you, what cartoons tell you, what your father's 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 father told his son, 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 and you have show you've decided that that's what it is right and you are not going to move from that and you are not going to grow you're not going to challenge your beliefs you're not going to i'm, I'm trying to think of the word but i'm okay but circumvent or overcome mm -hmm. your inner boy like your inner child yeah. boy. you know that's what it means to me All right you ready for the actual definition? Hit me. So this one's from like, um, I got it from a source. It okay. was like uh, some science thing. <laughs> I'll drop the link, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's to, what's it called? Oh, where is it? Here it is, it's under my ass. Uh, anxiety felt by men who believe they are fa falling short of cultural standards and manhood. So I would say you hit it pretty head on. Yeah. So now, question with that. Mm -hmm. From the way that your dad raised you yes. to the way that, I don't know if you want kids, but if you did, mm -hmm. where do you think the biggest difference would be on this topic? Because you did, like, it, it is a cultural thing. It is a thing that we learn. Sure. You know, my dad, who I love dearly, was raised by his father, who was raised by his father, who was raised by his father. Um, my dad's name is Rusty Cox. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's funny. It is funny. But that's my father. Like, you know, when, when you leave here, when you and I leave here, like my phone, when I call my father, it says Rusty Cox on my phone. Like, that is a man. That is yeah. a full three-dimensional person right. that exists in the world. His name is Rusty, Rusty Cox. Cox. He was born in Texas in the 1950s. He's not a small person, but he's not big. He's five foot eight, five foot nine, five foot ten. He's not, he's not me. He doesn't yeah. look like me. His father died when he was 11 years old. Um, and he had to learn the ways of the world on his own. Fairly quickly, too. What it means to be yeah. a man through John Wayne movies and Texan culture, yeah. which I don't know how familiar you are with, mm -hmm. but it's very masculine. Yeah. It's a different, you can't describe it to people who don't know. Because exactly. it's a different kind of man. Yeah. Texan. My dad is that. My dad 
road bulls and horses. The cowboy, and, the typical. But he is yeah. a cowboy. Like you know, it's funny when you say cowboy, you just think of a guy in a hat. No, like the rodeo. Like he did. Yeah. My dad has buckles with his name on That's it. That's pretty like, fire. One. That's he, my father. Yeah. Okay. That is my father. That's who I was raised by. Um, and I, my dad grew up in a house like not much bigger than this room. Yeah. In a small town, in many small towns in Texas. Incredibly. My, my life is incredibly different. Different. From my mm-hmm. I grew up basically an upper class Jewish boy in mm-hmm. a large city of Miami. I wanted for nothing. I got everything I wanted. You know, I had the attention of all of those around me. Um, and my dad, understandably, was young. He was my age when he had me, 32. He didn't know how to be a father. Yeah. You know, no one had really taught him, I think, in a meaningful way. Um, so where me and my dad would differ, my dad was very good about telling me that he was always proud of me. He always loved me. I never felt, interestingly enough, that if I was sensitive, he wouldn't love me. I never got that from him. That was something I put on myself. You know, that was something I gave to myself that if like I was this sensitive boy that I wasn't, he wasn't going to be proud of me. I didn't believe that really, but I, it was something I kind of taught myself. But why was that? Like, because I was surrounded by by Rusty Cox. Like that was what I saw, you know, my dad from the military, my cousin in the military, my uncle in the military, like, you know, the movies we watched and the things that we did. And, you know, my dad's office, you know, my dad's room like this was filled with. You had big boots to fill. Big boots to fill. My dad is a gunsmith by trade. My dad is, works with guns. Like Mm -hmm. that is his job. Um, So, you know, this room in my dad's house, there's guns around in parts and, you know, uh, you know, I was a boy, I was three years old, two years old, coming into the world, learning what the world Mm -hmm. meant from this person. Correct. and he taught me so many things about being a man that were wrong and so many of them that were right. And I owe all of this that you see today is from him. From him. Like all of the things that I learned are from him. And so many of them are good. So, so, so many of them are good. So where I differ from my dad, um, and again, considering all of the things that I have that my dad doesn't, yeah. Um, if and when I have children, which I hope one day I will, is that um, mini cogs, mini cocks, it's a bunch of small cocks running around, <laughs> that um, I will deal with my anger in a healthy, positive way. Um, I will be uh, in relationships that are healthy and you know fulfilling yeah filled with growth and love not to say that my dad wasn't with my mom Uh, they loved each other but they you know they're people they were intersecting at the ways they were intersecting i don't want to get too into it but yeah yeah i mean i would differ in the sense that um i think i would be a little bit more patient than my dad was and a little bit more um And again, I don't want to talk about my dad in a bad way. My dad is a great. Yeah, no, I understand. Dad, I understand. Um, in the ways that he was good, he was great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, he's a person. We all have our person. flaws. We all make yeah. mistakes. Um, and uh, you know where I would differ from my dad. Uh, I, it's a hard question. That's a good question. 
you know, um, I would just try to. Imp- my dad rejects his sense of his sensitivity. My dad is also a sensitive boy. But he rejects it completely. He does not because of the world. Yeah, that he grew, that up, he grew in up in. So violent and different from mine. I would not do that with my kids. Like your sensitivity. My kids don't have to be sensitive. They're not sensitive. They're not sensitive. But yeah. if they are, and the things that they are sensitive to, we will work on it and grow. I, yeah. And f- highlight. Um. Uh, that's how I would differ from my dad. I'm sorry that that was a long one. No, answer. it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so we are in a time which I would say for the most part is like, I guess men are more accepting to this kind of like, I don't want to say softer side, but sure. they're more open to being sensitive. I like to call it sensitive, like not soft, yeah. but sensitivity, like a sensitive side. But we're also seeing another side, um, which I think it's from maybe the cultural things that happen around us that we're starting to you know have this kind of toxic masculinity also fight back sure and there are ways that you can be too sensitive yeah that there's an extreme to everything of course. for sure and like we are in a period and many 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 things of overcorrection like a lot of things in our society are overcorrecting yeah because we're deciding that a lot of things are done we're done we're done with certain aspects of our culture Correct. so we overcorrect you know, um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are in a, a, a time of toxic masculinity, but I would argue that toxic masculinity is now what you're saying, like having a light shined on, shine, shone, shine, shined, shine, yeah. We're shining a light on these specific Andrew Tate type people, but I would argue that the Andrew Tates used to just be normal like that just used yeah. to be what people were like and that was accepted behavior you know if you think about the 1950s and i want you to think about this we're gonna think about an old sitcom right okay and think about um a woman is in hysterics right ah, or like happy normal. days think about the fonts okay but think about i just want to set an example yeah. so think about there's a woman running around in hysterics and they're trying to calm her down her boyfriend husband is trying to calm her down what does he do Kisses her. He smacks her. Oh. Snap out of it. That's true. Right? Yeah. So that was what you showed on TV back then. That was what was like culturally what was That's what you do. 20 yeah. years ago, there used to be a riddle. Okay. And the riddle was um, a father and a son are in a car accident. Terrible car accident. The father dies. The son is rushed to the hospital. And the son needs surgery. And the doctor walks in and says, I cannot operate on him. He's my son. Who's the doctor? The mom. That used to stump people. That used to be a riddle. That used to be a riddle. Like people could not fathom. A woman being that a doctor. The woman was the surgeon and the doctor. Like that used to stump people. So, yes, like is toxic masculinity a part of our society? Of course it is. It will always be. Yeah. It will never disappear. But it used to just be normal. It just used to be men. Yeah. It used to just be masculinity. But like my thing is like, do you think that like the Andrew Tates of the world are just doing it to kind of like fight back? I mean, I I don't know enough about Andrew Tate to talk. I've only seen the clips. So educated. I can't. Don't come for me. I mean, whatever. What I would say is that a guy like Andrew Tate is a very um, he's 
what he is good at is navigating the media. For sure. Like he has made himself into a personality. And I would imagine at some point he probably sold his soul. Like, I don't know if he believes most of that stuff. Um, and has now become just like um, an edifice of himself. Like, he is just a character yeah. that exists in the ethos of our society. Um, so I don't know enough about him to, you know. But um, your question was, is he, does he represent masculinism was that your question no more of like do you think since we're more accepting of you know men showing the sensitive side of themselves it's kind of like a fight back a fight back because hmm. they're like what they a, a lot of things that i hear now is like um what happened to the real men mm. of the world or like harry styles sure. posted up in a skirt they're like what happened to real men yeah well i would argue that there are, there's still plenty of real men like yeah real, what is but what is a real man that's what I was gonna ask yeah, you like, after. What is a real man? That's a very like philosophical question, you know? I mean, a real man, is it based on what gender you were born with? Is that a real man? Like, I have always hated that kind of shit. Like I, when, I, when I was a kid, that kind of question was like, you know, be a man, man up, toughen yeah. up. And it was like, okay, but I don't feel that way inside. Like I feel differently. So what does that mean? So, you know, does Andrew Tate, like, let's, let me ask you this. You, you, you would think that probably Andrew Tate considers himself a quote unquote real man, yeah. right? Now, is Andrew Tate able when he is in a situation where he is undeniably wrong, right? If he's at a dinner party and he mm -hmm. knocks over the glass and the glass goes and people are like, you spilled that drink. Is he able to say, I did spill the drink. I apologize. Is he able to do that? Because if he's not, it's not really what I would consider a real man. Like, yes, are real men, like are there men out there that hunt terrorists and catch sharks and climb mountains and do that stuff? Yes, like are there women that do stuff like that? Yes, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, are those, are there metrics that we measure real men as that women also can do? tally those metrics? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So it's like I would challenge this notion of like, what the fuck is, what is a real man? Are you, you curse on your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what is a real man? What is a fake man? What's a real woman? What's like, it's nonsense to me. It's like there are quote unquote real men who come home and beat their wives and terrorize their children and are addicted to methamphetamines and crash their cars and fight the police and because they... Um, fix power lines from nine to five. Are they a real man? Yeah. I think that's bullshit, and I reject that totally. That that's what a real man is. I think real men are real people, and I think there are real men and real women. They embrace their humanity. Yes, and they're not afraid to grow. They're not afraid to challenge themselves. And are there people that swing hammers and hunt terrorists that are also capable of? going to therapy and dealing with their anxiety in a healthy way and uh, dealing with the things that they do wrong and coming to their lover or their relation, their people that they're partners with and being like, I want to grow with you and I want to do this yeah. and I want this and you do this thing and we communicate healthily. Yes, like there are all of those people, all of these things exist, but is Andrew Tate a real man because he drives a, you know, a Ferrari and 
you know, has sex with women on yachts. Like, yeah. I don't know enough about him to <laughs> say that he's a real man. Yeah. But I would imagine this need to show how masculine his, he is just to me just like screams insecurity. It screams like I might be gay and I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. You know, or I might be soft in some way and I don't want to confront that. So yachts. I'm pushing party. this image of myself right. to cover that up. There's also videos of Andrew Tate like beating up women and like, I, you know what I mean? He's like, like not allowed in a certain country. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like is this this fight back? Sure. Absolutely. It is because that's a very easy thing to be a real man, man according to John Wayne you know that was much easier than it is to be a partner to a woman and a good father to your children and uh, it's much easier to be a real man than to do those things exactly uh, but to me that those are the real men yeah and I think um, one issue that maybe that we see a lot more is that you know being the breadwinner of your household sure which is a, an idea I think that is going to evaporate yeah. very quickly because there's no such thing as breadwinners anymore. Everyone has to put their part. Right. Someone has to pay rent, whoever I mean, listen, it is. If you are able to marry someone that is able to, like if my girlfriend or wife made enough money to support me, then by all means, yeah. like, I don't. This is another thing that my dad told me when I was very young. He said, there's no such thing as women's work, you know? You bring in the groceries, you clean the kitchen, you do the dishes, you mop, you vacuum, you do the toilet. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as work that is made for women and work that's made for men. Yeah. We do everything around here. And um, that was something that my dad taught me from an early age, which is not something you would necessarily expect from an, the guy that raised himself. A Texas man. Years. Exactly. Right. Which is, I've. What, what was I going to go into here? Because my mom yeah. was the breadwinner. My mom. That's exactly was what I was going to get into. Made, infinitely more than my my dad yeah that's how i grew up because like my parents the parents wise mm -hmm. how we were set up in my house my mom for sure the breadwinner sure. and my dad does not care sure. but then i see like some of my dad's friends and they they do have that kind of like fuck like i'm not the breadwinner of my family right. so like they and then like you you see like certain traits about them that they have to like step up and they have to like and the, the way that they act around people and then my versus my dad he's like my my wife makes more money than me, and it's totally fine. Sure. And he's like, he's like, all respect to her. He's like, I don't care. Because your dad, yeah. in some way, has rejected cultural expectations. Exactly. That he should be the thing. Because if he hasn't rejected those things, he would become resentful of your mom, of himself, of society. Feeling like a failure. Exactly. I can't provide for my family. But all he had to do was be like, no, I'm not listening to that. Exactly. Which is power. And you're mm -hmm. set, and you have to like set it aside to like continue going. Exactly. Period. Because what's what's more important to your dad is loving your mom, not being resentful, growing. And your mom, sh you know, I've seen your met your parents. They yeah. Seem to be very happy. <laughs> yeah. And love each other, and they do cool, fun, crazy stuff together, and uh, they seem to be healthy. Yeah. To some degree, I mean, I don't know the dynamics of your family. I think we could agree. Yeah. Sure. So. If you tell me that about your dad, that your dad's comfortable not being the breadwinner, I would say, of course, like that makes a perfect sense. Yeah, but it's interesting to see like that development from like what your dad grew up mm -hmm. and what he grew up around to like how how it is now. Sure. Like you were saying, it's gonna evaporate, and I think so too. Yeah, I mean, the women the are single... higher percentage in college, yeah. so like absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, as it should be. I mean, 
people, I mean, things are getting so expensive. You can't afford. It doesn't have, matter. As long as the bill gets fucking paid. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Who cares? Um, so we're wrapping it up. Okay. Any final thoughts you want our listeners to kind of close off with mm. on the Feeling Unstoppable podcast? Sure. So Feeling Unstoppable. Um, you know, one thing I would say is just because society has accepted a notion about how you think you should be or how you think you should feel because you are this because you're Jewish, because you're white, because you're black, because you're a man, because you're a woman, society has decided that you should feel a certain way and do a certain thing. There is a lot of power outside of that bubble. Um, I struggle with it. I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say that like every day of my life, I am confident in my choices. There are days when I'm feeling sad and anxious and depressed uh, that I'm like, I look at a helicopter going by and I'm like, I should be on that fucking thing. Yeah. I should be on that helicopter. I should have been a Navy SEAL. I should have done this. I should have done that. I shouldn't have been a coward. I should have gone to the army. I should have gone to Afghanistan. I, I, there are days that my brain plays tricks on me, but I know in my rational brain that I made the right decision because the, the universe told me. That Divine brain, timing. Yeah. So do it. Yeah. It's hard. Push it. Very scary. You got to pop the bubble. Yeah, you do. Pop the bubble. Or don't. Live in the bubble. Enjoy yourself. It's very comfortable in there. What's that saying? Uh, ignorance is bliss? Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Uh, but, you know, no growth really happens in your comfort zone. So No growth. But some people don't want to grow. And that's okay. People's journeys are their journeys. I want to grow. So I'll be out here. The water's fine. You heard the man. With that being said, this is the end of our episode. Thank you, Lonnie, for being here. Thank you, Cindy. This is fun. Lonnie, people in Miami who are the main listeners of the show, where yes. can they find you? Where you can, can they go see you? You can find me on Instagram, um, COX Comedy. I'm sure it'll be in some link yes. um, that you attach to this. I will repost this, of course, on my Instagram. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's the easiest place uh, to find me. You can send me a message if you want to talk about something like that or come to a comedy show. Um, we were at Bay 13 in November, most likely. Yes, sir. Clutch Burger next week on Thursday. I don't know when this episode's coming out. No, two Mondays from nah, now. So we won't catch you. Catch the next Clutch Burger. But again, just follow me on Instagram, COX Comedy. You'll post it up. X. And um, yeah, you'll see me there. Well, guys, with that being said, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next Monday. Peace the fuck out. <laughs>